The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I hope you've had a, a really engaging week. If you haven't, then this is the place to be because we're going to talk today about Engage for Success with my guest, Kathy Brown. Now, before I introduce you to Kathy, um, I'd like to say a big thank you to Heather Townsend. I was talking with Heather last week about how to get to the top and still have a life. Uh, really important to do that. Um, a lot of executives I meet uh, seem to have huge jobs and then other bits of the life start to fall apart. So getting that into balance while progressing your career, I think is really important. If you've not listened to it, take a listen to the archive. Now this week, I'm feeling engaged. Um, I not only saw my team, Leicester City, beat Porto in the Champions League and become the first British team to win their first two games in the Champions League. Um, I also had a, a great time at a conference early in the week. And yesterday, a brilliant day with one of my strategic partners, Carnegie Great Outdoors up in Leeds, where we integrated talks, um, which um, one of that I did with their expertise for outdoor uh, teamwork. And my wife said to me, have you been having fun again or are you working hard? And I said, well, working very hard. At one stage, I had to compete against another team while pretending to be a shepherd and herd five blindfolded delegates pretending to be sheep into a pen without talking to them. And we won. Enough said was the response. But I tell you, what we had was great fun. Uh, and these executives who hadn't actually known each other, many of them before the event, they finished completely you know, bonded together and you know, really, really engaged. And I think you know, sometimes we've just got to do what it takes to engage for six people for success. So are you really giving your best? You know, possibly the most fundamental issues impacting productivity today is a lack of engagement. And such an issue that's one key prime area for, for my business. We really want to help to address that problem. We want more people engaged in their jobs and they'll deliver more value for their companies. And less people um, you know, looking over their shoulder, disengaged with what they're doing because the culture isn't right for them and not giving their attention and energy to what they want to do and not having as much success as a consequence uh, from it. Now, Engage for Success, I'm just delighted to have on the show today. They, they've created a voluntary movement that is promoting employee engagement right across the UK. Uh, their aim is that everyone working in the UK should want and be able to give their best each day so that each day is a great day at work and that workplace in the UK are thriving, growing, developing through the commitment, energy and creativity of the people that work in them. My guest, Cathy Brown, is the Executive Director for Engage for Success. You've got a huge amount of experience across public, private, third sectors in raising awareness and providing practical guidance to them around employee engagement. Uh, she delivered major strategic programs. Um, she's really into values, good management, authentic leadership, uh, listening. 
uh, and helping people bring their best to their work. She's a long-time public speaker and spokesperson for uh, Engage for Success, uh, working with lots of audiences around business change, leadership, and engagement. And she believes that helping people find a better way to work can make a big difference to people's lives, their organizations, and to the country. What a mission. And welcome to Kathy Brown. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. A pleasure to have you on the show today. I believe you're talking to us from Shrewsbury, is that correct? I am indeed. I am indeed. Shrewsbury in Shropshire. Shrewsbury in Shropshire. That's in that's in England for anybody who's listening from outside yep. of the UK, which is probably most people, actually. Um, so, well, well t- tell us a little bit about your background, Cathy. Obviously, you're in Sh- uh, Shrewsbury now, but what really... Oh, indeed, yes. What, what, was, what was your younger life like? And was there anything in there that kind of led you to this career and uh, um, interest in well uh, I when I look at my career I always find it an interesting question to be asked so I've been in the workforce almost 30 years now so I started working when I was 20 and um, when, when I look at my my work I'm reminded of a, a phrase that I heard quite recently of uh, not so much career path as more crazy paving <laughs> <laughs> which I think actually um, describes very well my, my journey through my working life so I started in radio in fact in Birmingham which is one of the biggest cities in the UK and uh, I spent four years as a production assistant and um, doing some on-air work um, organizing in the studio doing scheduling for people all, all sorts things like that very creative really um and then I moved for family reasons um, which is when I ended up in Shrewsbury and Shropshire and I joined BT British Telecom which is one of our our big telecommunications companies in the UK and I've in fact been then um at BT for almost 21 years until I left a couple of years ago but in that time um I had probably four quite distinct careers because I started in customer service I, I came through and, and ran very big departments within the IT division I uh, spent several years in internal audit and risk and I finished off um, with, very luckily for me, a secondment to set up Engage for Success, which is when I then started working within the HR division within BT. So I've kind of been all over the place, really. And um, I think for me, the, the sort of light bulb moment about engagement when I first got involved with Engage for Success was the realisation that over that 30 years. I've had good managers, I've had bad managers, I've had organisations that I've loved to work with, I've had times where I've felt hugely committed to the organisation that I've been with, I've had times when I really haven't felt like that and and work has been quite a miserable experience and the the light bulb moment was realising that it didn't have to be like that, Um, that obviously there are steps that both you as an individual and organisations can take um, uh, to make work a fun experience as it should be. Um, so that was my my big light bulb moment, I think, around engagement. Fantastic, and I, I don't know about you, but for me, with the the more I kind of absorb myself in in engagement and this this area, it's also got me thinking got me thinking about you know, engagement at home. How do I engage mm. the family more? How do I engage the kids more? And you know, our kind of relationships. So not only you, by thinking through this and working through it, can you be happier at work, but also I think you know, there's personal benefits for people too. I, 
completely agree with you and and whenever i'm i'm talking about this subject i mean people will we tend to talk about employee engagement or staff engagement but um many organizations will look at customer engagement um but you know actually all we're talking about there is people it's how we engage people in whatever it is that we're doing whether it's voluntary clubs that we belong to whether as you say it's it's within the family the, the principles are the same of, of what we want as people to to feel that we're in an environment which is healthy for us and is thriving yeah i, I just it's got me thinking there. It's one of the uh, one of my uh, talk the uh, speech i give is about engagement starts with you and I, I sometimes get asked by people you know how do i engage um you know get my people to be more engaged it's like well actually and the first thing we maybe need to look at is you yes. <laughs> and ourselves. Yes. How, you know, how can we be more engaged? Uh, very true. And, you know, it's a very common attitude, um, particularly sometimes at a leadership level, to say, well, well to, to sort of think that engagement is something that you do to people. Um, and, and that's obviously actually quite a disengaging way of looking at it, even in the first place. You know, you don't, nobody likes to have something done to them. And, and the ideal, I think, for engagement in the workplace is that it is just simply becomes this is the way we work around here. This is how it is. So, you know, people don't have to think about an engagement program or an engagement strategy. It is simply embedded in in the way that everybody works and how the culture itself is. Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, makes a huge amount of sense. Now, just before we get into all of the all, all of the kind of engagements for success, what you mm-hmm. do and all that sort of thing, I want I want to just um, talk about something that you mentioned to me and uh, I thought was quite fascinating because I believe you've got a hobby. Uh, that really engages you, and uh, I also know that uh, we're you know, talking about individuals. You have that, this this concept of engagement even extends to your hair colour. So tell me. Oh, about it does. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, so my my unusual hobby um, is the fact that I'm a Morris dancer, and Morris dancing is the traditional form of dance within the UK. Um, there are many American sides actually, so Morris is worldwide, but it it originated in the UK and is our traditional national form of dance. And um, I came to it quite late. I mean, some people, Morris dance um, second or third generations in their families and get to it very young. Uh, I've been doing it for just over four years now. Um, And I absolutely love it. I really, really do. I've never engaged with something, um, certainly something sort of active and physical as much as I've done with Morris dancing before. Uh, And we're a very colourful side. So, um, we all of our, our the ladies wear different coloured dresses, so we look very rainbow and beautiful when we're dancing together. And we all have hats, uh, which we decorate individually with some sorts of flowers. And uh, because I change my hair colour on quite a regular basis, it must be said, um, it's quite a running joke within the team about the fact that I have to keep changing the flowers on my hat as well to, to keep up with my hair colour. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally something, it's been, it's, it's hundreds of years old, isn't it? Uh, it is, it is. I mean, uh, there's certainly um, uh, 15th century paintings, for instance, which show say, you know, men with hankies and sticks that you can certainly recognise um, elements of the Morris dancing that we do today. Excellent. So let's, let's talk about Engage for Success then. What, mm. what, what is it, you know, what is the real purpose of it? You know, how did it start? And Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, It started from uh, a government report. So the UK government commissioned a report into engagement and they asked uh, the people who became our founders, David McLeod and Nita Clark, um, to deliver that report. And 
David and Nita went and spoke to um, a huge number of organisations. I mean, the report itself was about nine months in the making. Um, and I think it covered in the end organisations with over a million employees. So they surveyed and they interviewed and, and obviously produced a, a report in the end. And what they'd been asked to look at was, um, is engagement real? Is it a tangible thing? Um, if it is a tangible thing, is there evidence that it is beneficial for organisations and for individuals? And if that turns out to be the case, what are people doing about it? So David and Anita finished the report that's still very much available. It's called Engaging for Success. And that was published in 2009. And then promptly, um, because we over here had an election at that point, it fell into the black hole that was caused by a changing government. And unusually, um, and this very rarely happens, it was then pulled out by the new government uh, about a year later because it had um, huge cross-party application. You know, it, it obviously wasn't partisan in any way. It was beneficial to the whole of industry. And so it was recognised that it was worth picking up and looking at and, and looking at the conclusions. And in fact, the conclusions that they'd come to were that, yes, absolutely, there is a lot of evidence out there which says that engagement is a real and tangible thing and that it has hugely beneficial impacts on performance, on productivity, on um, absenteeism, on health and safety, on a number of business metrics that, that any organisation would be looking at um, in terms of running their business successfully, uh, but also that it has hugely positive impacts on the mental and physical well-being of the individual as well, um, so that there's a, a win-win there for both the organisation and the, the individual at work. Um, and the sticking point really was that, you know, everybody generally agrees, oh, yeah, engagement is a good thing, we should probably have some of that, but nobody quite knows what to do or how to get started. Uh, and that was the starting point that David and Nita took. So when they were summoned to our seat of government um, and were told, yes, absolutely, we have pulled your report out of the, the pile um, and we would like you to go away and do something about it. What they wanted to do was rather than um, sort of create a, a government committee or something similar, they wanted to get all of the people in industry that had contributed to the report and bring together people who were passionate about this topic and who they felt could actually start to make a difference. Um, and we created a movement. That, that was what they wanted to do, and that's what they went and did, because they wanted to address this problem that, you know, general agreement about engagement, but nobody knows what to do. So the mission of Engage for Success is to raise awareness of both the topic of engagement and the importance of it, the benefits of it, um, to both the individual and to organisations, and therefore, of course, to the economies and the societies in which we live and that, that we work in. Um, but also to give people the tools they need to make change. So that covers research, case studies, connecting people in networking type groups, um, you know, driving thought leadership in this space. All of those things, all of those activities are part of what Engage for Success does. Excellent. So did the, did the government give you millions of pounds to do this? No. No, they didn't. Um, and not only did they not offer, um, but uh, we, we actually didn't didn't want it. Um, you know, you, there's a, 
a tie, um, particularly at the early stage of setting up an organisation like ours, where we felt that um, being funded by the government would would actually lead us to to not be as effective as we might otherwise be. Um, but what we've always had and benefited from is um, the support from government, particularly in the sense of being able to then convene, obviously, very powerful business leaders to get involved with the topic. Um, and, and that continues. So we, we remain um, supported in the government by that way to this day. Yeah, that makes an awful lot of sense. You've got more, mm. more independence then, haven't you? You're not yes, being... absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Makes makes lots of lots of sense. But do you, I mean, do you think uh, just just you know the question that sort of come to me is, um, you know, does industry really get this? Because I, I meet a lot of uh, a lot of business leaders who who don't really see the problem, although you can visibly see it when you look at their organisation. Absolutely. Um, well, we. We still in this in this country particularly, and I suspect in many Western economies, we still have um, a culture, a management culture, a leadership culture, which really doesn't lend itself to engagement. Um, you know, leaders are, are not expected to be vulnerable. They're not expected to to ask their employees to contribute. You know, it's seen as a as a weakness almost. So until we are able to change that culture really from the bottom up from the youngsters coming into it um i think we're we're always going to struggle and there will always be business leaders who who don't get it um but for me the the way to convince those people that it is worth looking at and and worth investing in are the numbers i mean the the research is is not around well it makes people feel good the research is around this is your bottom line yes. um, and it's very very clear that an engaged workforce benefits your bottom line. And, and you will find that if you can get the figures over to people, um, that that will start to help if they're in that particular sort of finance-led culture where they need to see a return on investment or whatever else. I mean, you would hope that we're moving towards a leadership culture where people say, well, do you know what? Treating people like human beings is actually just the right thing to do. Mm. Um, but but I would agree with you in the sense that we're, we're certainly not there yet. Um, what we've seen over the last five and a half years that we've been in operation is um, a massive increase in the debate, um, which is great because that means that obviously in terms of awareness of the topic, we're, we're absolutely succeeding in what we wanted to do. Uh, and the, the linking of it to many business topics like productivity, for instance. Um, so understanding that the productivity puzzle is around people as opposed to being around things or units or you know whatever else. And, and I suppose, you know, does that come down to the, you know, the leadership style? Some people are more uh, detailed and structured and process driven, but less, you know, have less of a sense of, uh, of, of people as a, an emotional being that can, you know, through mo being motivated and inspired can deliver more. Is it? Well, is it, is not necessarily, I would say. I mean, although obviously, yes, there are huge personality differences in in leaders and managers and people who work so we, we, we can all approach things very differently um i'm not actually sure that that itself is is a factor in the fact that we're not particularly good at this i think it's more a sort of entrenched number of practices like the fact for instance that we simply don't recognize managing people as a skill that needs to be taught Mm. Um, we just assume that people will do it and we promote them into a management position because they're technically or functionally good at what they do and we pay no attention to the fact that they don't know how to manage people and it may well not come naturally to them. They may, may well be very introverted and have a different style of management and that's not a bad thing. It just you know, is a different thing and you need to, to really understand that 
management and leadership in a way have to be taught. Yes, yeah. I had I've just got a thirty seconds left, but I had a probably a year or two ago I had a gentleman called John Boggs, who was a colonel, I think a retired colonel from the US military, and he talked to me as well about strategic um management and and mm. uh, and, and you know development of uh, critical thinking and strategy. And I thought, Crikey, when I became a senior manager, you know, twenty years ago mm. Um, why hadn't somebody just shared this with me? Because, you know, the light bulbs yeah. were coming on. Uh, and it's the same, I think, with managing people too, isn't it? We just expect, because people have yeah. done well to date, to keep on, you know, it keep is. on that progression. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. Got to go to commercial break now. Uh, we'll be yep. back with you after the break, and we're going to look at some engagement in some different sectors. And we're going to move on as well to uh, a, a piece of, you know, a finding, I think, from the research yeah. in the Engage for Success report, which are four enablers of engagement, and they're well worth uh, listening to, understanding, uh, absorbing. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Kathy Brown. We're talking about Engage for Success. And I just want to be really interesting, Kathy, just for a minute, just to explore you know, some of the benefits of developing greater engagement for organizations. Um, I was speaking about this only yesterday morning to a group up in Leeds. And mm-hmm. and, and I'm afraid that one of the things, uh, being a Leicester City football fan, I do mention on this show quite a bit, is the, <laughs> the fact that in one season, the team beat 5,000 to one odds and mm. f- at the football premiership. And what I saw in that time from the period when they were languishing at the bottom of the league uh, the season before was a massive shift in engagement right through the entire 
organization from its leadership through its team to its mm-hmm. uh, suppliers through to the, the people on the pitch winning best pitch of the year and all of that sort of thing and you know, there's been a massive increase in the fortunes of the club um, and, and I think engagement is one of those facts and I think we can look at that example I mean what's what's your what is your thought on some of the real tangible benefits like you know financial ones that can yeah. occur from engagement yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we published some research when we first launched ourselves back in 2012, um, which was called Nailing the Evidence. And that was our first sort of look since the original report that David and Nita wrote around the types of business metrics that are impacted by engagement. Um, and we've since updated that as well. We updated it last year. So both of those reports are available on the website. Um, and, uh, you know, almost any business metric that you can think of um, can be an improvement in it can be tracked back to engagement and not all of it I mean engagement may be sort of a a five to ten percent input to that but that can be really significant so um, for instance many companies look at um, retention and turnover of staff um, because that can be you you want to hang on to people that you've spent time training um, you obviously want to to make sure that you're keeping those skills and all of that knowledge within the organisation. Um, you can see up to a, a 40% increase in retention if your engagement is in the top quartile as opposed to the bottom quartile mm. um, within a, a sample set. And um, I mean, that <laughs> in a way almost has its own problems because you, you can end up with an incredibly static organisation because nobody yeah. leaves. Yeah. But, you know, uh, probably a better position to be in. Um, And I mean, certainly figures around um, accident levels when you look at health and safety. uh, And I mean, that's people's lives and their limbs and their livelihoods. Why on earth would you not do something that would have a significant impact on on something like that? Um, People's levels of sick leave and absenteeism are clearly related. And um, then you can go into obviously looking at things like... um, Profit and revenue, uh, customer satisfaction is another one. Um, so from my BT days, customer satisfaction was absolutely the god of business metrics. You know, that, that ruled everything we did. And again, clearly demonstrable links between higher levels of engagement and higher levels of customer satisfaction and advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and happy customers tends to mean yeah. happier profits, isn't it? Certainly does. And I mean, there, there's definitely an argument to say, well, you, you make the customers happy. That makes everybody happy. But I always start with the staff. Make the staff happy. Your customers will then be happy. Then everybody will be happy. Yeah. Read them on the line. I think, is it, was it, is it Herb Kelleher? Um, is it the happy, um, happy, happy staff? Plus, yes. um, uh, happy customers equals a uh, you know, happy bottom line or something like that. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> makes a lot. Makes a lot of sense. Now, you were telling me when we were chatting about this interview, you know, about we're talking about engagement in the sec- secondary education mm. in the UK, mm-hmm. and um, I wonder what would you change about that because uh, we you know, we have a feeling that it's broken. Mm. I mean, I think there are sort of two aspects to it really. There, it's it's broken in the sense of people who teach. Um, and I think secondary education particularly have had it very, very rough over the last few years. Um, and so you, you have a fundamental morale issue simply with the people who teach. Um, and so we have a what we call a thought and action group looking at that at the moment and, and how we can, uh, how organisations can improve that for people. Um, but of course that then has a knock-on effect. Um, so if, you're, if your teachers are disengaged, um, what impact is that having on the children who are being taught? Um, and is education actually giving them 
the skills that they need in order to cope with what work will be like when they come out of education. Mm. Um, and to me, that's almost the greater break at the moment is that uh, education is not changing, whereas work is. Um, education is still fundamentally Victorian when you look at it. Um, it's it's creating people to fit into a, a Victorian civil service in many, many ways. Um, whereas, of course, work is becoming far more creative because the jobs that are... Um, that can be automated will be automated over the next five to ten years, and that the you know the jobs that will be available for humans are the ones that need human things like creativity and empathy and innovation and all of that sort of thing. But education doesn't foster that in any way, and in some places, really, it does almost the opposite. So there are there are big pillars of our society, like education, like tax. Um, like healthcare and welfare that that don't support the way that the world of work is changing and the way that society is changing. And these things are going to have to move on. Mm. Um, but but education, I think, is one that's particularly personal for me as I've, my son has just gone through A-levels, so he's 18. Um, and uh, we have a, a younger one who is going through, uh, two years younger, who is going through GCSEs, um, and obviously he's now moving up into to doing his A-levels. Uh, and so I, ju I just see in them how difficult they find it. And, and you just think, oh, I, it's not teaching them what they're going to need to know. Uh, and obviously a lot of that they will get in the home environment. But if they don't, then then where is it coming from? Mm. So, yeah, big problems there, I think. Mm. I'm just wondering whether we should, um, whether it would help if we, we created a programme for politicians around engagement and we made it... And it could be made compulsory that they had to go through it before they could become an MP. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? About well, yes. to our health ministry. Um, <laughs> I think he should be I, on it. I think this takes us right back to the point that we were discussing at the beginning, which is that engagement really applies to everybody and to everything and to every scenario. Um, and in an, in a ridiculous sense, actually what people really need to learn is basic manners, how to say thank you to people. It's not a weakness to thank somebody for doing their job. Um, you know, how to, it's as if sometimes we leave human decency on the doorstep when we step into a workplace. And I don't understand why that is, but but it does seem to happen. Um, so I think it's probably not only politicians who, who might well need that type of education. <laughs> well, yeah, I, th I think it's... Um... I'm, I'm sort of thinking about COVID's principles now and the idea of seeking first to understand before being understood. Uh, and uh, I just sometimes, you know, policy and decisions is made without really, you know, consulting and engaging with the people who are on the interface. And I think yeah. that's a, you know, creates a big disconnect. Absolutely. And I mean, any form of change is going to go far more smoothly if you've involved people at every stage um, and you've had their input, um, you know, I, we know as people, conversations need to change in nature at work because at the moment, I think they're predominantly parent-child. Um, and, yes. you know, even in a good organisation, that can still feel very patronising. Um, and they should just be adult to adult. You know, we're, we're grown-ups. We go to work to do a good job. Very few people go to work to, to deliberately do a bad job. Um, and we should start from that point and just have grown-up conversations. That's, that's really good advice. So, Engage for Success founded 
uh, you know, from the research came out these four enablers of engagement. Yep. Do you want to let's, let's talk about what they are and how they help us? I know the first one's strategic narrative, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, they're, they're a lens, if you like, to look at your organisation through um, and to say, right, how are we doing here? And they're a really good starting point for, for looking at levels of engagement and your culture. So the first one, yeah, strategic narrative, it's the story of your organisation, uh, where it's going to, where it's been, where you are now and that's not the CEO doing a fancy video once a year and saying this is what we're doing um, it's very much around the living breathing story of, of your organization and its evolution and where you fit in it and this is where we find purpose um, you know making ourselves fit within the story of the organization and understanding what our part is in it and, and how we play that how we feel connected and it is absolutely an emotional thing mm. um, yeah, very, very much so. And and this definitely is, is around the purpose and the meaning that we feel when we're at work, which is hugely important to our levels of engagement. And the uh, the next one we've also touched on a little bit as well, because this is around engaging managers. And it's for anybody who's had a poor manager, you know how disengaging it can make people ill. It's it's a horrible, horrible feeling. You know, you, you feel that you've got nowhere to go um, and you, you, it's a very difficult thing to handle. And it, people who, who engage well as managers do three things. They treat you as an individual, which is hugely important. They... Um, they can give you the scope of what you're doing and they can focus you on the task and then they let you get on with it. They don't micromanage you. You can deliver it in your own way and they are there to back you up. Um, and again, hugely important thing to do. And then the third thing that they do well is that they can actually coach and stretch you constructively and they can deal with dysfunctional behavior within a team as well and and again you know these things are not necessarily easy uh, having conversations with people around their performance is really hard yeah and and this is where decent good quality management training comes in we should never assume that people can just do this uh, you know I, i've been a manager on and off now for for 20 years and i still struggle with things like that it's not easy at all um the next one that comes along is employee voice and this is, you know, people sometimes confuse this with, with internal communications, that sort of thing. It's not about broadcast. Um, it's very much multifaceted. It's it's both you talking to employees. It's employees being able to talk to you. It's about trust. Do they feel actually safe to, to articulate what they feel about the organisation? Um, do they feel that their contribution is welcome and acknowledged and needed and heard and valued? All of that good stuff. Um, and there are loads of examples. Of, I mean, an engagement survey, to some extent, is absolutely a manifestation of employee voice, as are workplace and trade unions, um, as are something as simple as suggestion boxes. Mm. Um, but for me, in whatever size of organisation that you're in, whether it's huge, whether it's tiny, there's no substitution for actually just talking to people. There really isn't. Uh, you know, if you've got 100,000 people, that's fine. You've, you've only got to talk to one of them at a time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's how a good leader for me you know, finds out what, what is going on and how people are feeling within the organisation. And, and strong employee voice is your biggest defence against reputational risk because the staff know what's going on and they know what's going wrong. Um, and they will tell you, but they won't tell you if you're not listening and if you're, if you're not soliciting and making sure that their contribution is valued. So you're missing out on a huge, you know, piece of business information that you could have. And then the final one, 
is uh, integrity within the organisation. And obviously most of us work within organisations where there are some sort of stated values. and that They might be um, just as simple as this is our common understanding of how we work around here. Um, obviously if you work in a, a big corporate or a government department, you might well have a set of values that are on posters on the walls around you. But if the behaviour that you see, particularly from leadership, but, but really all around you, isn't congruent with those values, then it produces a gap and, and that gap is is distrust certainly disengagement um, a very common example is where organizations say our people are our greatest asset I mean how many times have we heard that but then actually internally you're living in a culture of fear and bullying and harassment yes. so every time you hear that the people are our greatest asset you know it's not true um, and that obviously just completely leads to a breakdown of trust within the organisation. So those four things are a really, really good starting point. I mean, any organisation will use slightly different terminology, so but the concepts are, are, are valid and they, they might come into, you know, different balances depending on where you are in the business life cycle, whether you're in growth or whether you're stable or, you know, whatever is happening. But all four of them will be present um, and they work together, you know, not in isolation. They are absolutely um, uh, matrixed together. And they were developed from the original research that David and Nita did um, and they were clearly present in highly engaged, highly performing organisations. So they're characteristics of successful organisations in that sense. Well, they're, they're very, very, very helpful. And mm. is, is any reason why number two wasn't called engaging leaders and managers? Um, I think they were less focused on the leadership element at that point. Mm. Um, and I mean, I would always contend that any leader is managing as well. Um, True. So that, you know, there's, there's an argument there to say, well, it, it sort of encompasses all of it. And we we did some work um, shortly after that, which was called The Barriers to Engagement Through Leadership Eyes, uh, which is also well worth reading, also on the website, engageforsuccess.org. Um, and that started to look at the things that get in the way of, of a leader um, and the behaviours that they have that, that can be a barrier to engagement, uh, one of which very much is around fear um, and how they're perceived. And, and this is this business again about very much seeing, saying thank you as a weakness and, and giving power away. Uh, so there's some very interesting stuff in further research there around the leadership level. Yeah, it's very. very I had a, a gentleman on the show who was a, a, a Hollywood uh, attorney, mm. and he was talking to me a lot. It was a, fa- a fascinating show, very interesting in terms of negotiation over there, and it very much run on kind of Machiavellian principles, mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know all, were all about power. Yeah. I know the government. Tends still, there's that, that 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 book is still used and, yeah, and kind of read, isn't it? To it is. But, I mean, we would uh, certainly contend that um, command and control as a as a management style and and as an approach for an organisation is well on the way out. I mean, absolutely, you still see it in places. But I think there's broad acknowledgement now that that it doesn't solely work like that anymore, and it can't do, um, and that that obviously culture within workplaces needs to change to become more collaborative to reflect the changes that are happening in society and to us as people i mean we're far less deferential uh, as people than we ever used to be you know we don't tug four locks and we don't automatically respect a boss just because they're the boss they have to earn that respect now and that's a real difference and it means that things like command and control simply don't work anymore mm. i noticed that certainly when i was running 
at one stage in my career, I had a number of different teams in, in different mm. countries. And it was very interesting to see the different styles of leadership in those countries. And I, I would walk in, particularly, I think France was one I remember where, mm. you know, I kind of go in and I would uh, meet my team and I'd walk straight into the um, um, MD's office and say hello. And I'd sit there and have a, a good old uh, chat with him. And he always seemed to appreciate it. And it turned mm. out, my, but my, um, my team were completely stunned that I would do that because they were so used to revering yes. <laughs> the, the senior management. But I think they kind of accepted me because I was English. But they were, you know, I developed good relationships as a consequence mm. of doing that. But it wasn't the culture. It was yeah. uh, very, um, very different. Now, we're going to go to commercial break again uh, mm-hmm. right now. But afterwards, uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts, uh, Cathy, on things like and how we engage people when we're running volunteer organizations and uh, yep. the sort of messages we really need to get across to company executives today around changing their behaviors and uh, those sorts of things. So, yeah. uh, And also find out what's happening next with Engage for Success. So do join us um, after the break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Kathy Brown. We're talking about Engage for Success. And, and Kathy, I was wondering you know, what your lessons are on mm-hmm. how to engage people when you're running a, a volunteer organization. I did it once with the Professional Speaking Association. Yeah. I had a volunteer kind of team and I knew there were challenges with that at times. And and I know you probably do with an engage for success, but you know, for all those who are relying on volunteers, what are the best sort of tops and tips and lessons you can share? Yeah, this is a, such a great question. And I mean, it is really close to my heart because obviously we are absolutely a volunteer organisation. Um, but we also have, again, one of our thought and action groups, which is specifically set up to look at this for not-for-profit organisations and for charities. So they produce work on a regular basis and that they are all not-for-profit and charitable organisations that are involved in it. Um, so for, from our point of view, um, there's a really strong piece about remembering that you can't actually behave as you would do with a team of people that work for you in a normal corporate sense. Um, you, you just can't because people are giving of their free time and their energy and and you have to, to value that for the gift that it is. Um, and you have to be really quite fluid with people because, you know, I, very often people will commit to something and then 
normal work or life or whatever else will will overtake and of course the volunteer work is the first thing that will go uh, and that's right I mean you would never want somebody to prioritize it over um, either their home life or the work that actually pays them a wage but of course you have to try and manage things that you're delivering around that uh, so it's it's very much a juggling act uh, there's a there's a lot of being both very I think sympathetic with people but also um there's a lot of judgment in there about understanding what people are able to take on and getting them to be realistic about it. Uh, and one of the other big pitfalls that you have to be careful of in a volunteer organisation is the fact that people get hugely engaged and passionate about the cause that you have, um, which doesn't necessarily translate into being engaged with the task that you've asked them to do. Mm-hmm. So, so you need to be aware of that. Um, but also, of course, uh, particularly if they then are engaged with the task as well, uh, there is a really high risk of, of burnout because people will work themselves so hard um, and at ridiculous hours of the night because, of course, again, you know, quite often they have a full-time job as well. Um, so you have to be really hyper-aware of people who are giving too much. Um, and then obviously gently trying to get them to slow down. Um, and, and you do, you, you just have to handle people, I think, I, with more intensity sounds a, a bit wrong, but there, there are things that you have to really watch out for because these people will be juggling so many things. And, and it is absolutely your responsibility as the person directing that effort to make sure that you're not abusing the, the gift of their energy and their time that they're giving to you. You know, it's very easy to get into that situation if you aren't careful. Um, but, it, you know, it's an absolute delight because I've, I've worked as a volunteer um, in organisations before. And obviously I've run big teams in a large corporate situation. I've worked for a smaller, very creative organisation. Running a volunteer organisation like Engage for Success is an absolute delight because everybody you are working with wants to be there. And I can't tell you what a difference that makes. It really does. <laughs> absolutely brilliant and I, I really really do get all of those points that you've made I remember only sort of about two to three weeks into my uh, my post when I was at a volunteer team at, uh, in a speaking association I had, had somebody who's hugely motivated she's a wonderful wonderful person um, but she gave me such a hard time in the first uh, one two three weeks um, around uh in around her kind of situation and i was completely completely thrown by it but but the reality was she'd taken she you know had too much on her shoulders and too much input on her and she just uh, you know had too many other things going on uh, mm. so I, I completely think that point of just be mindful of people and because sometimes it's those ones who, who do too much who you kind of can rely on isn't it and yeah uh, and actually you you're kind of abusing them really even though yes. they're, they're good nature Yes, you do have to be so careful. Mm. So how do we get this message across about engagement to company executives and, and you know, able to inspire them to change their behaviour? Mm. How do we do it? I, I think there's no one answer to that. Um, and we certainly use a, a whole load of different approaches. Um, so, uh, I mean, an avenue we're progressing down at the moment and are, are very keen on and have been working away at for some time is, is how we influence the investment community, for instance. So if we can get financial analysts to be saying, well, we need an indication of the quality of your management and the best indication of the quality of your management as an organisation is your engagement 
figures mm. and, and what you do around, you know, what your culture is like. Um, that immediately puts um, almost, a, you know, a, a regulatory emphasis on it, um, which is very effective for getting people to, to change behaviour. So there's sort of policy type governance pieces which can go on at a certain level. Um, I mean, a, a really good example of that being successful is the inclusion of CSR. Uh, in so many annual reports now and 10 years ago that really wasn't the case at all yeah. um, but now you know corporate and social responsibility has really changed in emphasis due to um, that input at that level um, one of the things that we do particularly at the executive level is we get small groups of executives together uh, and so we really use a sort of viral change type model so we'll put people that we know absolutely get this to their bones with people who don't necessarily. Um, and so there's very much a peer level role modeling that goes on um, again at that executive level. Um, and, and that again is very effective when you can obviously demonstrate that these people are coming from organizations that are performing really well. Um, uh, that the, the evidence piece is very effective at that level as well. So we do aim a number of things specifically at that C-suite, if you like. Uh, for instance, we're just launching some um, pieces around uh, enterprise uh, enterprise social media um, and how that can be used to engage within an organisation. And I know predominantly that is aimed at um, getting at the executive level to see that it's not a threat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and that it can be to some degree uncontrolled and organic as social media really should be. Um, and that if you don't let it be that, then you're, you're sort of, truncating the benefits that you might see um and so so we i'm saying we we do a number of things at that level to try and and get executives to to see the benefit to their organization and to them um of of changing their behavior and we have great examples on this we have case studies from all sorts of, of organizations that have gone through this journey or are on this journey for themselves and of course it never really ends uh, you know you can successfully do a, a transform your culture but you will always be doing it because things people will change the market environments will change uh, the world of work itself will change so it's not something that you say oh right would you know we've done engagement now that's it <laughs> you, know, you never reach that point yeah. um, but, but for me again that's that's part of the fascination of it you know it's it's about people and people are endlessly fascinating and endlessly changing i, I was listening yesterday to uh, the news as i was driving back from leeds and there was this example of a an individual who'd had people uh, was giving out badges about um, tube talk about talking on the underground and uh, as, as, as somebody who has to confess after a program I did actually stand up and talk to a full carriage of people on the underground as, as, as an experiment <laughs> to see, see what would happen and it's a longer story but but it had uh, had quite a remarkable impact on them and me um, I, I just found it quite fascinating how 80% of people uh, were seem to be quite appalled by the idea and so many people said oh we just don't do that I wouldn't want to do that and yeah. and, and, and I just thought, actually, that lack of engagement sometimes that we, we have between each other is quite phenomenal and quite ingrained. Mm. Whereas it's not so much in the North Kingdom, we'd all chat to each other, but... Yes, <laughs> very uh, true. So it's quite, there's kind of <laughs> silo cultures and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very much so. Interesting. So what can we expect next from Engage for Success? 
Oh, all sorts of things coming up for us. Uh, we've just announced a, a collaboration with one of the UK's um, professional bodies, which is called the CIPD. And the CIPD represent um, HR professionals. Uh, and so a good connection for us and for them. Uh, we've, we're quite different organisations, but they are very much around championing better work and better working lives. So our missions are very, very aligned. Um, and that will enable us to do a lot more of the research that we, we try and get done. We very much crowdsource our research in a way, so we'll have an academic research partner, um, but we will involve people from all across the movement who have interest in the particular topics that we're looking at. So at the moment, for instance, we have a piece going on around um, performance management and, and how fundamentally disengaging that can be as a process. Mm. Uh, we have uh, an ongoing group on well-being and engagement. Um, we have another iteration of our barriers to engagement work which is looking at team management this time and, and engagement within teams um, and we, we at any one time we have at least 10 to 15 um, thought and action groups like that going on um, certainly expansion of our regional network so we're, we cover the UK at the moment um, but we're certainly making no, we're not sort of deliberately saying, right, we are going to take Engage for Success and dominate the world. Yes. Uh, but we get a lot of inquiries from overseas, uh, and we would certainly like to be doing more there. And I think for me, the, the big tipping point will come, hopefully this year, when we start to really, really get out into the business world. So we're, we're nibbling at the edges now. Um, we've come out from the, the sort of core HR community, which is where so many people see engagement as sitting. Um, and of course, the the subject matter experts for engagement might well sit in HR or comms, but the accountability and the responsibility for it should sit within the business because it's a business issue. Um, and that's, I think, where very much we're heading is that tipping point where engagement is absolutely seen as a business thing to fix and a business thing to be changing. Wonderful. So as people... You know, you know that you know we have as a business a real interest in this and what you do, mm. and, and uh, but I'm still kind of wondering in my own mind um, about you know how we engage with you and be lots of people mm. listening thinking, oh, this is an organisation we should en engage with. How, how how might people engage with Engage for Success? Yeah, there are so many ways. Um, so it, it really depends on um, how you're coming to us. Are you coming to us as an individ individual or as an organisation, as a manager, as somebody who works, uh, whatever it is? So the best place to go to is the website to start with because that is our window on the world and you can generally find uh, you know, whether you want to connect in person and therefore you want some regional events you can go and look up our regions and um, look at the events calendar and see what we're up to come and meet us in person you can talk to me if you want to come and talk to me about volunteering on the team for instance or or being seconded from your organization so we do rely on seconded resource and you can talk to our um, thought and action groups so you might want to get involved in one of those there might be an area that you have a particular passion for um, and can contribute to and we are always very very happy for people and organizations to come and do that um, of course we do run events that need sponsorship so that might be your bag as an organization particularly um, so for 
for instance, we have a conference coming up. We run conferences and smaller events on a regular basis. And people can also get involved organisationally with our research. Um, so we ask for sponsors for a number of the research papers that we do. Um, but the starting point is the website because that will give you all of our contact details, who you need to speak to for, for what element of it. Um, and all of us on the Engage for Success core team are very, very happy just to have a chat with you um, around what might be possible and what might suit you and and what we need uh, so always always good to talk to people about engagement wonderful now i just wonder before we leave do you have any final messages that, that you'd like to leave us with well i would say if you want to make a change for yourself and to start having perhaps a small impact within your organization the one thing that you can go and do is go and thank somebody at work today that you work mm. with and whether that's remotely whether that's in an office whatever it is doesn't have to be for the big thing because you know you know if you've no idea what a struggle that person's had to get to work today just go and thank him for something um, and you will be amazed at how much of a difference that will start to make if you do it on a regular basis well, that's a, a great way to finish. Um, been a, a, a wonderful show. I think uh, some great ideas there. This is a really, really important topic. It makes a difference financially. Um, and I think those, you know, those enablers that you've shared with us around strategic narrative and engaging managers and employee voice and integrity, you know, they come from a huge amount of research, don't they? Yep. So, you know, really um, robustly uh, looked at. Uh, some great tips as well about running a volunteer organisation, and uh, you know, maybe not. Sometimes we maybe expect a little bit too much from people we've got to yep. got to manage that and you're doing some tremendous tremendous work um so i'm going to um as, as you the, the final message you left i'm going to say a big thank you to you that's <laughs> the first person i'm going to thank super thank you very much chris it's been a real pleasure i've th thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, wish 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 you uh, wish you well um for more information about Engage for Success, there are some great resources on the site. Um, so I'd really recommend that people do go to engageforsuccess.org. Um, that's correct, Cathy, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. Uh, check, check it out. Um, download some of the reports if you're interested in this. And uh, you know, really increase your knowledge around engagement, which is a subject that really matters when it comes to success. So once again, a thank you to Cathy Brown. And um, I shall look forward to uh, seeing you on uh, next week's uh, show. In fact, um, I'm just having a moment. Next week's show, um, actually, I'm going to be away, but I pre-recorded a show <laughs> for you. Uh, it's with um, two friends of mine who've been on the show before, Andy Laparta and Peter Roper. I wrote a book 10 years ago called And Death came third and the reason it came third was people put networking and public speaking as one and two uh, so the book caused uh, quite a stir when it came out and uh, we and actually they're speaking at the conference I'm at so that's going to be playing while we're there um, so I really recommend go and listen to that and learn all about networking how to do it well how to speak well and uh, hopefully then um, death wouldn't come third in your list of concerns so a uh, thank you to Kathy Brown and I uh, look forward to speaking to you again shortly We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.